The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, Traymond Green gets suspended. The entire NBA world seems to have lost its damn mind. And we'll break down the Kings, Warriors, and all the drama in detail. Touch on some of the other series that, let's be honest, are a lot less interesting. And then look at the annual NBA Players Poll hosted by, you got it, The Athletic. A lot of shit is popping, my man, Nick. Do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. It looks like I lucked out. Yes. I found the series that is the most important of the first round. Warriors, Kings. Who would have thought? Probably would have been the same if the if the Warriors played the, the Pelicans. Probably would have been the same if the Warriors played the Clippers or the Lakers. All the drama, all the pundits, everybody we'd be talking about has nothing to do with the Kings, right? Has nothing to do with the Kings. It's all the Warriors. Let's start with Draymond Green. We know what a time it is with Draymond Green, don't we? Like, from the punch that started the season to the stomp that is dominating the news now, Draymond Green moves the needle. He moves the needle. I personally like Draymond Green. I'm just going to say that. I am a Draymond Green fan. My my folks, my brothers at 1320 ESPN burn me up for this. The chatty house burns me up for this. I like Draymond. I think he's really good. I think he's a player you want on your team. I think he's a winning player. I think he's one of the best centers of our generation. He has basically put seven-foot slow feet guys out of business, out of the business, made them retire, made guys like Dwight Howard cease to exist in this league. But, but he's his own worst enemy, isn't he? He really is. That passion that he has. The passion that's the core of the four championships that the Warriors have had is is the same passion that gets him in trouble. It's the same passion that gets him suspended for game three of the first round of the NBA playoffs when they're on the precipice of losing their entire franchise as we know it. Some people believe he's an out-of-control player in these moments. I, 
I do not personally think that he's unhinged. I believe he gets carried away. I believe that he is calculated and methodical with his tomfoolery. And I just don't think he understands the ramifications of those actions at all. What happens next is not anticipated for Draymond Green. And what it does is it leaves it leaves chaos in his wake. Jordan Poole gets KO'd. What happens? The team is in disarray for the beginning of the season. You've got weekly kerfuffles with opposing players on opposing teams. You've become the only player now in NBA history to be ejected from one, not one, but two playoff games. And now the league has officially suspended Draymond Green for game three at Chase, which is now two suspensions in Draymond Green's career in the playoffs. Imagine that. Imagine that, Dubs fans. Dub Nation. You're down 2-0. And you need your heart and soul. Down 2-0 for the first time in the Steve Kerr era. Down 2-0 for the first time in Steph Curry's career. And your guy, the number one facilitator outside of Steph that you need running the offense, running the defense, will not be not only on the court, in the actual building itself. The beating heart of that offense the hub which the entire Dubs offense runs through will be on the couch as the dynasty fights for its life. Its last dying breath, hoping and wishing along the way that they could just have Draymond Green on the court. We're not going to get into the actions. It looked like a stomp to me. Depending on your fandom, you've already decided who is to blame. Our Dubs fans, we believe, Sabonis should have been suspended. <laughs> we believe susp- suspension should have come down all around. Adam Silver being in attendance probably didn't help, right? Like, we know that played some sort of role. You can see photos of him. He did not look amused. Coaches did not look amused. When Draymond Green crushed Sabonis's sternum and then walked to the middle of the court, jumped on the bench, and said, who likes me now? What do you think? Puts his hand to his ear like he just DDT'd somebody. Dog, that's not good. That's not good for your reputation and whether you're going to get suspended. As soon as you get teed up, as soon as you get a flagrant, you need to sit down and pretend like you didn't mean it. That pretty much sums it up, man. It wasn't the stomp. It was just the reaction afterwards. Your chest is thumping. Domas is writhing on the ground. Like you just got shot in the chest and you're like, hell yeah, who likes me now? That's right, bitch. I'll stomp on your center. Hell y'all do it again in front of the commissioner. What? Take that. What? And then uh, the funniest part was like when he heard Sabonis was having x-rays on uh, his ribs and lungs and all that. Uh, He was diagnosed Sabonis with a chest contusion. Draymond was like, actually, I'm too having my ankle examined and x-rayed. Something that I believe happened with Domana Sabonis tugging on my ankle while I was operating at full speed. Full speed. I was running at top motion in a full sprint and your center pulled my ankle down and left me to die. What else was I supposed to do? Joe Dumars, who's the EVP of basketball operations, actually a mentor of Draymond Green's, uh, 
he was the one to make the final decision. And he said, yeah, you got to go. I'm sorry. And the aftermath has been immense. The immense, the Draymond Defense Committee is in full force right now. They do not believe that Draymond has done anything wrong. In fact, there are people who believe, like I said, Sabonis is the one who precipitated and was the catalyst for all of the tomfoolery. We got the local radio station in the Bay going crazy, going straight loco. They're defending him to the death, even though alternate camera angles clearly show Dre winding up for the death stomp. And they defend it when video from a month ago shows Draymond getting tangled up and kicking Herb Jones in the head. They're like, oh, well, that was different. That was, that was so much different, though. You see also other videos where Draymond Green's pulling other men's ankles. They defend it even though Domas has, it's been come out that he's questionable for game three because he has a chest contusion. I don't know, because he got stomped by a 260-pound man. It's insane. It really is insane. And I think, I think it's really sad, actually. I think it's, uh, truthfully, between me, you, and the lamppost, I think it's pathetic. I think that, that the Warriors media and, and our fan base is going through it right now. We know that the end times are near. That we've never been up against a wall like this during the Steph Curry era in our lives. Not once. In the beginning, it was all cute. Oh, kings are adorable. Oh, there are little brothers 90 miles away. Oh, yeah, they get, to, they get to fight Big Bro. They get to warm up. Big Bro will take it easy on them. And then they knock Big Bro in the mouth. Pow! Knock Big Bro in the mouth again. Pow! And it's like, listen here, little pipsqueak. You're playing dirty. And now it's like, oh, yeah. By the way, the Warriors were minus 275, which if you're not a better, that's about as crazy of odds for a six seed to beat a three seed I've ever seen. Basically, what that means is you have to pay $275 just to get $100 back on betting the Warriors to beat the Kings. The Kings were third in the West and the Warriors six in the West, and yet the Kings are underdogs, big underdogs in this series. And now that they're down, the Warriors 2-0, it's like, oh, well, you knew. Nothing's, nothing's new. You know, the Kings were going to always, always win at home. They were always going to hold serve. I, that was not the script, folks. That was not what you told me was going to happen. You told me it was going to be a sweep. You told me we want the Kings. We want the Kings because we want a short series. We want to move on and get some rest. They were like, oh, who's going to stop Steph Curry? Who's going to stop Steph Curry? Who's Malik Monk? He's going to get shut down. He's getting locked up. Kaminga's going to lock him up. Click, clack. And for, for Kings fans, Kings fans don't want Draymond Green to be suspended. Why would they want that? Now Warriors fans are just going to be like, well, the only reason you beat us is because Draymond Green was suspended in game three. Nobody wants that shit. Nobody wants that. And even Dumars came out and said this on ESPN a little bit ago. Here's what it came down to. Excessive and over-the-top actions. Conduct detrimental. Conduct detrimental, by the way, means the histrionics out on the court. The, the 
Stone Cold Steve Austin moves. The Rock, The Undertaker. Bong. It was like, I swear to God, you could hear the like, <laughs> the broken glass. It was like that. It was, I swear to God, in the building, I was in the building. It was like that. I thought someone was going to come out and be like, how you like them now? You know? It's, that's, that's what conduct detrimental means. And then repeat offender that you already know what time it is. That's what separates someone who doesn't get suspended and someone who does. Someone who does that a lot and someone who doesn't. Past actions, people don't want to hear that, right? Like, they do not want to hear that. You do not want to hear that somebody else who stomped on another man's chest would have been just fine for it. I tweeted that game three was the most important game in Golden State uh, in, in their history. And I was only like a quarter joking. Um, this is a very important game. If, if our dubs have a chance of winning this series and 92% of teams up 2-0 in the playoffs close out their opponents so the odds are ready or not in our dubs' favor, they have to win game three. Or now, I don't think anybody's ever won when they've gone down 3-0. So if our dubs lose this game, most likely, we are going home in, in round one. Only the fifth such defending champion in NBA history to flame out in the first round uh, in the next season. And then we enter this offseason where Clay wants a max extension. Draymond says he wants to get paid. He's got to finish his contract out, but you can't extend them both. And right now, as it stands, the Warriors are paying $500 million in payroll for one of the oldest teams in the league that look like they need to be put out to pasture. Dynasty over, fam. Rebuild full on. I don't even know what you do. I don't even know how you build around that team. Is it Kaminga? You're building around Kaminga? Okay. All right. Did you see him get cooked? Like 17 times in a row in the four minutes he was out there in game two? Anyway, we move on. Kings and four say it ain't so. All this because Draymond Green can't keep his hands, feet to himself. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The media is crazy. They are. I am now inside it to a point where I haven't had a dog in the fight really for a long time. Mm. And now that I, I'm like an honorary member of the beam team, I am seeing it from a whole new lens. It's crazy. The world simply cannot comprehend how the, the Sacramento Kings are able to beat the Warriors 2-0 without shenanigans being at play. There are so many legitimate and explainable reasons why the Kings are just smothering the Warriors in this series. There's smart reasons. There's nerdy reasons. There are explainable reasons. If you dig into the matchups, you're looking at it, you watch film. This stuff is not shocking, right? There are people breaking this down. If you wanted to know why it's happening and why it's something probably likely to continue, you can find that. But then, but then there's this alternate universe. And that's what I want to talk about really quick. This alternate universe that cannot comprehend that Steph Curry could lose. Cannot comprehend the concept that the Warriors would be beat by a team that has not made the playoffs in 17 years. This is a dynasty collapsing at the hands of a team that when you Google the name, one of the first things that you see, like people also search for, is do the Sacramento Kings still reside in Sacramento? <laughs> like, and, and the dynasty could come crumbling down to a team that finished 26th in team defense, locking them the fuck up. Only shenanigans to those people can explain this. Ignore these people. They are, their brains are mush. They have broken brains. They are clearly, they are clearly self-destructing live in front of us. No shade to J.J. Redick. He is one of those, those people who are literally destructing. Just his brain is is turning into liquid as we speak. Here's what ha is happening that has not been mentioned. It's actually really interesting because it highlights, highlights just how much the man, Mike Brown, is. Joe Vire. I think Joe Vire, by the way, is one of the smartest guys on Twitter, breaking down basketball. Find him. Uh, I think it's Golden State in mind. Pretty sure that's what it is. Find him on Twitter. He's elite. Anyway, he's breaking down why Mike Brown is able to do this to the Warriors. And there is a reason uh, Dante DiVincenzo sat out the fourth quarter of game two. There is a reason that Jonathan Kaminga uh, played four minutes and was a negative 10 on the court uh, and did not see the court for the rest of the game. And there is a reason that Mike Brown turned Jordan Poole into um, the most expensive cheerleader in the NBA, considering that he did not see a minute in the fourth quarter either. What are those reasons? Mike Brown knows how to exploit those men 
He knows their weaknesses. And not only does he exploit them, he did it all night long. All of that is Mike Brown. If you don't remember, Mike Brown was in charge of the Warriors' defense when he was coaching for Golden State for like seven years. Most importantly, running the defense last year because there wasn't a lot of changes from last year to this year. So Vera is breaking down what's actually happening in this article. Here it is. Brown's intimate knowledge of the Warriors' offense, where it starts, the middlemen, and where it ends, is putting a wrench in Kerr and his squad. Pause. You fucking think? A big wrench. Uh, Brown knows all too well that the Warriors' hubs are where the offense starts. His offense itself counts on a fulcrum, such as Demona Sabonis, to initiate action and fuel the offense to its highest gear. The Warriors do the same with someone like Draymond Green, who typically has all the vision he needs to whip passes to shooters and cutters off the ball because of his nature as a non-shooting threat. On point. That is why... Draymond Green's absence is very huge for Game 3 because now you've got to make the fulcrum Kevon Looney. And let's be honest, Kevon Looney does not have the same basketball IQ as Draymond Green. Kevon Looney, not the same passer as Draymond Green. Not the same quick decision maker as Draymond Green. And Mike Brown understands this. Vire continues, What Brown knows, however, is that the best way to defend Green or Kevon Looney or any hub stationed in the low post, high post, or at the top of the arc, is to crowd their space. Putting ball pressure on, pa- on the passing hub not only limits their vision, it bleeds the clock, forces a hub to become a shot creator, and increases the chance chances of forcing a mistake. This is exactly what the Kings did in the second half, especially in Game 2. Constant ball play- pressure, swarming Curry with multiple guards that were fast enough or strong enough to fight through screens, collapsing on him. Davion just muscles through screens and Fox darts around him as if like, and Curry can't really get enough separation. And what's the end result of that? Curry either has to take a really bad shot or he has to get it to the fulcrum. Curry was 0 for 5 in the, from 3 in the fourth quarter and really couldn't get open at all. And, and the miracle wasn't that Steph was 3 for 13 from 3 in game 2. The miracle is that he's made any shots at all. I mean, he is that good. He was 9 for 27 in this series, and a lot of those makes were circus shots. And Mike Brown knows exactly how to contain Steph Curry because he practiced this when he was running the defense, only with Gary Payton II hounding Curry. The article and a few others by people who actually know what's going on. And it's not speculation, right? There's, there's ample video evidence. There's threads. Is a drop in the bucket, though, compared to this raucous noise of people trying to grapple with the fact that, let's be honest, our, our duds might be cooked. Like, they might. It's local. 95-7 the game this morning, for example. Morning roast. They're just losing their minds. They're losing their minds after game two. They're screaming at each other. So much crosstalk, you can't even hear who's who. You can't even understand a goddamn word. Badass radio. Horrible radio. One side saying pool's the problem. Another shouting that it's Clay. Both blaming the refs. One person being like, why can't you blame Steph Curry? No one giving any credit to the Kings or Mike Brown. No one daring to say, maybe we're just not as athletic or deep as them. The desperation is also national. It is also spread like wildfire to ESPN. On ESPN, J.J. Redick went on a rant, which I must play because it is outrageous. 
and immediately makes me question pretty much every word that's coming out of his mouth from now on. Let's play it. They have allowed too much. I have no problem with physical play in the playoffs. But if Steph Curry's not allowed to move off the ball, if you're preventing players from running down the court and you're allowing that to happen, there's a play uh, late, late in game two where Kevon Looney's right underneath the rim, ready for a rebound. Sabonis crashes in, pushes him in the back. They don't call the foul. That's a foul. The referees have dictated too much in the Kings' favor in this series. I really believe that. And I don't know if it's the home crowd or whatever. I rarely complain about the referees. In fact, I don't even know if I've ever complained about the referees. I think they're great. But if they're going to come back in this series, they've got to call the game the way the game is supposed to be called. I really believe that. And then, oh, my. Oh, my. Bullshit. Hold up. Let me repeat. If they're going to come back in this series, the Warriors, they need to call the game the way the game is supposed to be called. I thought the playoffs were more physical. I thought the reason that the Kings were going to get absolutely obliterated was because the Warriors were going to out-physical the little baby Kings. They don't know how to handle all the pressure, how the half court changes everything, how much more intense it is, how the refs let the boys play. And now we're saying it's too physical? Hell no. Miss me with that shit. Miss me with that. Why are you rooting for the Warriors to come back? That's what it sounds like if they're going to come back in this series. Is it because everyone in your building forecasted the Warriors to win in five except for the lone exception of Kendrick Perkins and you've just been straight playing captain for the Warriors so long you can't even fathom that they're being outworked, outplayed, outcoached? Because they are, let me say it again, outworked, outplayed, outcoached. This really is some bullshit. Here we go. I had to see this tweet from Fox Sports uh, legend, Colin Cowherd. And I still don't really know. It's so bad that I don't really know if he's trolling. And it's like an hour dub sort of situation. But I think he's being serious. And if he is, we got to pause. Here's what he said. The league has always given the Kings the whistle. Frustrating for those of us who just want a fair game. Hashtag weak T. It's something I would write for our dubs. It's honestly something that I would write when I was going into the mindset of a whiny, entitled, delusional Warriors fan. What are we doing here? What, what is happening here? I've never gotten to the... This is kind of like the Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese situation where you're like, this whole thing is fucking crazy. But also... Kind of dope that national media is talking about the Kings for three straight segments. Folks on NBA Twitter and national media really saying that the Kings are so good that the NBA is conspiring with the refs to help them beat and dismantle the defending champs. Think about that for a second. And why would they do that? Like the Kings are just this historic franchise that everyone wants to see go to the finals. The, the Kings, the Sacramento Kings that almost were moved for no reason to Seattle and to Anaheim. They're the ones getting preferential treatment. This is bonkers. This is, this is the same franchise the league spent like 15 years trying to fold up like a lawn chair. 
The, the Sacramento Mon- Monarchs closed up, packed up like a suitcase. The NBA did everything possible to strip Sacramento of the Kings. And now, no, they're the golden child. Once we built Golden One, they're the golden child. They're the ones getting the preferential treatment. Get all the way fucking out of here. At least we have evidence, concrete facts that we can look at. It's called the two-minute report, last two-minute report. And looking at the last two-minute report, let's just check the notes. It appears that the Kings were hurt the second most out of any team this year by bad calls. The only team above them, not shockingly, is the Denver Nuggets, the team that the NBA cares the least about. How do you know? Because it doesn't matter if they're playing the Timberwolves, the Lakers, they always put them in the worst time slot at night. Shocking, I know, that the Sacramento Kings, the darling of the NBA, would get the second worst whistle in the entire league. That's what I'm going to start calling them. The Sacramento Kings, the NBA darlings. (laughs) Historically, the darlings of the NBA. These are the same Kings that the league decided to give every call to so that they could eliminate the single biggest cash cow the NBA has ever had in the last decade. They want want the Kings to dismantle Steph Curry, make him go night-night. This is a team that can't even have its fans use cowbells in the Chase Center because cowbells, shockingly, surprisingly, somehow are just banned from Chase. They're just not something that you can bring in to cheer with. The one thing that the Sacramento Kings fan base is known for using, nope, that's banned here at Chase. Kevin Herter, uh, wing for the Sacramento Kings, you probably don't know who he is uh, because most casual fans just don't follow the Kings, but here we are. He said when he went from the Atlanta Hawks to Sacramento that the whistles really changed. Did they get better, Kevin Herter? Please tell me how, what happened. Even without those, those two plays, is it palpable to you the difference in how Kings games are called versus uh, games in the past? Is that something you can feel or is it just really the big plays? It hurts me to say this, but, but yes, honestly, that is something within the first – Six games have been noticeable. Um, I won't say which teammates, but a couple of teammates that have been here said things are different here in SAC. We don't get many calls. You're going to realize every game things are different. And, and honestly, it is it is something I've, I've felt so far. I think there's maybe one game. I think it was the Charlotte game. I think we got a good whistle. And other than that, I think um, it, it hasn't gone in our favor a lot. I mean, what are we talking about? All of this, though, has spun Dub Nation into crybaby mode. Uh, Zach Lowe reported today. There's anger within the Warriors organization towards the league. There is a sense in the organization that Sabonis is shoving people on offensive rebounds and playing with his elbows out. And here's where it gets good. And using the ball as a weapon on offense. Straight out of the John Morant playbook. This is hilarious. This is like, like the ball is a weapon is the most 2023 thing uh, of the year. Absolutely. Nobody swings their elbows more than Draymond Green. Come on, let's be honest here. Add this to the whining over the ejection, how they think Steph is getting fouled every possession by every single Kings guard. The, the Kings need karma for kicking out E40. You've got a meltdown on your hands. What we have right now is the end of times. This is the swan song. 
And now we're facing a game three with all the drama that you could possibly want with the Warriors having a built-in excuse, uh, not just to lose the game, but the series as well. And my guy, Kenny, uh, Kenny Caraway, who Warriors fans are calling Kenny carried, carried away uh, of D'Lo and Casey, says he does not want Draymond to be suspended because he wants the Kings to beat the Warriors with no excuses. But now they have one. How much Dub Nation falls back on it remains to be seen. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Believe it or not, there are other series going on. And uh, since the last episode, we've gotten some updates to get to. Out in Boston, it's done. I mean, it's been done. I told you guys that, right? I mean, it's, it just is. It's over. It's done. Trey Young was shut down again. He hasn't hit his expected point total, which is a player prop number, in seven consecutive playoff games. Hawks are good in the, four, in the first quarter, but we knew what, what time it was. The Celtics were going to shut these boys down. They put the hammer down, and now the series is halfway done. It's going to be a sweep. It's done. That's just what it is. Atlanta has no answers. They are grasping at straws. This series is complete. Derek White ran through Atlanta's tissue paper defense. He put up 26 in game two after putting up 22 in game one. Tatum went 29 and six. Brown had 18. Three steals. Listen, that's enough. That's enough to put the Hawks to sleep. How bad, though, is the question. How bad, though, has Trey Young been? Well, Zach Lowe said this. Trey Young is doing nothing off-ball as usual when DeJounte Murray has the ball. And, of course, he's being hunted mercilessly on defense. In every possible way, wherever Trey is, find him. He has got one effort in him, and after that, it just devolves into someone on Boston getting an open shot. Holy shit. Thank you. Thank you, Zach Lowe. Let these boys know Trey Young's not good. Um... Not a lot of negative to say about the Celtics. They're really good. It's going to be an incredible matchup between them and the Sixers because the Sixers series is pretty much over as well. 
Uh, speaking of the Sixers, the Nets played a really good game, too. Still lost pretty handily. Maybe they steal one at home? I don't see it. I don't see any chance for the Brooklyn Nets to win this series. I don't think anybody does either. And B does. If he gets hurt, and there was one oh shit moment, there all kind of always is with Joel, right? But barring that, this is, this is an early summer for the Nets. It's Celtics versus Sixers, and that's what time it is. Heat and the Bucks, though, moving on towards that series. Uh, they are locked in a tight one. It depends on who overcomes their injuries quicker. So, actually, the, the Heat and the Bucks haven't played game two yet. Giannis is banged up, as we know. Tyler Hero out for the season. Milwaukee, probably a better team than Miami. But here's the deal. How healthy is Giannis? Is he going to play game two? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I'm favoring Milwaukee. Going to be a really interesting series. No real update there, though, because the last time we talked, there's been no game since. Uh, Wolves and the Nuggets. Jokic has actually got a lingering injury, uh, but I don't think it matters much. Gobert's a negative 20 every game. I don't think it's going to matter. You put a fork in the Wolves, they are done. Memphis versus Lakers. Game two is tonight. It's all going to depend on whether Jaw plays tonight. He has a bruised hand. We already know what time it is there. Will Jaw risk further injury by playing? A lot to be seen. So no real update on that either. Suns and Clippers became a series last night. Uh, there looked like there was some panic. Kawhi was balling. Already stole game one in Phoenix. You go up 2-0 or you're down 0-2 going to L.A. and you're the Phoenix Suns. That is... Not a good situation for you. But Scott Foster, Scott Foster finally gave Chris Paul a game. 14 consecutive games that Scott Foster has officiated that Chris Paul has lost. This is one of 15 now. Russell Westbrook also played really well. I think that's deservedly noted uh, after going three for 19. Russell Westbrook put up nearly 30. So congratulations to Russ. I think the series goes seven. I think the series goes seven. Kawhi is really good. He had 31 in game two, 38 in game one. I think he single-handedly keeps the Clippers in it. The Suns are in trouble, though. Let's be honest. They are really a flawed team. They need some depth. Their life is going to come at them fast if they get past the Clippers. It is, listen, ma'am, I'm just going to say this. The Kings might be the best team in the West. That's just, that's just fact. In terms of depth, in terms of speed, in terms of athleticism, get on the bandwagon wagon while you can. Uh, let's move forward out east. Cavs uh, beat the shit out of the Knicks game two. Beat the shit out of them. Uh, as good as the Knicks looked in game one, they looked so bad in game two. Julius Randle looked boo-boo. Um, Darius Garland came out. He balled. They took a page from the Kings notebook. They smothered Brunson, mostly with Karis LeVert. They made him work hard. And it paid dividends. This is what Darius Garland said. Listen, it's very important for us to have Jalen Brunson play both sides of the floor. Not just to have him sit in the corner. Just to put him in a couple of actions to see if he can move on his feet on the defensive end because he's going to have to work really hard on the offensive end against us. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Brunson's Achilles heel is his defense right now because of his size. And Karis LeVert is 6'6". So that's a tough matchup for him. He went off for 24 against Brunson who only had 20 on 5 for 17 shooting. So it's going to be a really fun series. I think it's going to be a really, really fun series. That was my laptop. I'm sorry. Um, let's move forward. 
outside of these uh, first-round matchups to something I think that's a little bit more evergreen, a little bit more of an overview, but it's one of my favorite things that The Athletic does every single year, which is the 2023 Anonymous NBA Player Poll. And goddamn, am I loving it. They poll, so this is what they do. They pull 102 NBA players, and they ask them the questions that we all want to know, right? Who do you not want to fight? Who is the most overrated player in the league? The big question, of course, is the MVP. Um, Half of the players, they usually get it wrong. Half of the players this time said it's Joel Embiid. I think that's good for, for him. I'm guessing he'll finally get that coveted MVP. He wants it. I'm not sure Nicole Jokic really does. I'm not sure the media particularly wants to give Jokic three of them in a row. And one player summed it up best. Definitely Embiid because they're winning games. They're one of the best teams in the East. I think he kind of should have won it last year. But, I mean, Jokic is also having a phenomenal season. But I think this year Embiid is the leading scorer. They're about even, really. They're really in a dead heat. It's kind of like the Oilers' choice, whatever you like best. Uh, In the poll for best defender, this was a good one. It was a runaway. And I can say 100% these NBA players, they know ball. <laughs> they, are, they know ball. They 100% right. 29% of the NBA players picked Drew Holiday. Hell yeah. I think he's the best defender in the league. And Lou Dort coming in second with 11%. Players love the versatility that he brings on defense, especially since he can and has guarded one through five. I am an unabashed Drew Stan. It's great to see him getting the respect from his peers because goddamn the media won't give it to him. He needs defensive player of the year. He does. He needs to win one. Drew also won most underrated player with 17.5% as well. Second place was Shea Gelgis-Alexander. Love to see it. Both those boys are phenomenal on both sides of the court. Here's, here's a, an interesting question. Pick one player in the league to build a roster around. If you were to do that, who would you choose? NBA players overwhelmingly responded with one dude. Who is it? It's Giannis. It's fucking Giannis. Not a shock, but here's the thing. It was like overwhelming. 52.4% with a distant second being Jokic at 8.7%. That's the best compliment you could get. That means he's the best player in the league. That means that he's the only guy that you want to start a franchise around. Probably the funniest one, though. The funniest topic on this list that The Athletic does is most overrated player. Uh, the most overrated player, of course, is Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, he is. By a fucking mile, too. 31.5% of NBA player players poll. Trey Young is the most overrated player in the NBA. Number two was Julius Randle. And number three was Pascal Siakam. They were both tied. For second place at 7.4%. I just did a TikTok explaining uh, that Trey Young is sort of overrated and people were very mad. Trey Young stands came out of the woodwork. But listen, uh, people who are listening to this poll, people who are reading it, uh, they know. They destroyed the comment section. No question. Trey Young, probably one of the most overrated players in the league in recent memory. Not just right now, but in recent memory. Hate to see that. Hate to see people bringing facts to the equation when the stands come out to play. Uh, for shits and giggles, though, I thought what this was also interesting is the GOAT question. Obviously, MJ was going to win it. But what's interesting is that, that, that the, like the distance between Mike and Braun 
is closing. At one point, it was huge. And now it's 58 to 33. Hmm. I think if Braun wins another one, the gap gets even closer. Other fun polls. Who would you like to least like to fight? James Johnson, 13-year-old journeyman. He's played for 11 teams. I did a TikTok on him. Check that out. But listen, he's, he's a tough man. He is apparently 20-0 in kickboxing. Apparently, all of his siblings, he has eight, and both of his parents all have black belts in karate. And that's nuts. That's like, that's just, that's it. That's the end. Yeah, of course, I don't want to fight that guy. Steven Adams, probably a close second. What arena has the worst fans? I was surprised by this one. Hornets won with 15.2%. So I'm not sure. Is it like just the least interested fans? Is it the worst fans if you play for the team? Is it the worst fans for an opposing team? I don't understand it, but I never have considered their fan base to be like particularly bad. I've just never really thought of them at all. Maybe that's why they're the worst. I've never once thought... What is it like at a Charlotte Hornets game? Never one time until right now. Now I'm like, hmm, what is it like? I kind of want to know now. Detroit was second at 11%. That's disrespectful. I love watching games in Detroit. I saw the Warriors play the, uh, the Pistons earlier this year. It was a great vibe. The arena with the best fans, this one's going to be funny for you. Boston. Boston? I don't know about that, Chief. No, 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 no. So 18, here's where it's funny. 18% of the NBA players picked Boston, which is like, I guess, a pretty big coincidence given that the uh, NBA, 17% of the NBA is white. So where those 1% come from? Where that 1% gap come from? Uh, I don't know if this poll was made up exclusively of NBA players who played or played in Boston, but Sacramento was second at 12.1%, which makes more sense. Golden One is a great arena. Um, the coach, there's another interesting category. The coach you'd least like to play for, we have a runaway winner, folks. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Don't you think too hard. Don't you think too hard. It's Thibodeau. It is. You knew it was Thibodeau, didn't you? You mean to tell me that it's not appealing for your coach to make you run wind sprints the day after an overtime loss? You mean to tell me you don't want to do that at 6 a.m.? You mean to tell me that's not like a fun coach to play for? <laughs> uh, I remember meeting him and I'm like, yeah. I've never met a coach where I can like look at a player and say Tibbs guy or no Tibbs guy. Like there's no other coach in the league where you're like, Spolstra would never let that guy play for him. Uh, Steven Silas, who is gone and fired, he made the list at 14.5%, which I think Probably reflects how many trades Houston has made in the last three years. Like, I think half the league has played for Steven Silas. Finally, current coaches the NBA players would most want to play for. The runaway answer here, still pretty surprising, actually. Greg Popovich. What? Nearly a quarter of the league would want to play for Greg Popovich. It must be like a... uh, like a, like a legacy thing. Like, a, oh, yeah, I played for Pop. Like, oh, yeah, I played with Jordan kind of a thing. It seems a little weird until you dig into his background. You read stories about how he changes players' lives. If you look at DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan has wildly high praise for Greg Popovich, one of the true OG player coaches, and he tears up nearly every time he talks about 
what pop means to him. He's a god. Greg Popovich is a god. Even at his old age, most players want to play for him, which is crazy. Amazing. Steve Kerr was second at 13.7, which I think also makes some sense as well. Well, that's it. That's all the time that we have for this episode of the Heat Check. Check back Monday. I don't even know what day it is. For an all-new episode as we break down the playoffs, do not forget to check the feed for past episodes and for bonus episodes that drop unexpectedly throughout the week. Please follow the Heat Check. The playoffs are here. Download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Every single damn one of them, as I said, follow us on social because the Heat Check never sleeps, not even from the West Coast. <laughs>